my beautiful creatures. I am your host, Ashanti Augustine. And today I have something, something I have been wanting to do for the longest time. I've been waiting for this for honestly since you did the first movie. And I have on one of my favorite people in the entire world, someone I have looked up to since I was literally a small, tiny child, always yeah. showing me that you literally make anything you ever want to do come true. We have my favorite person, my sister, Miyasha Komen. Oh, that was such a cute intro. Thank you. Uh, okay, so Miyasha is honestly at, at everything. She's an entrepreneur. She's a mom. She's a filmmaker. She's a creator. Everything. Miyasha, can you give us a little bit of an overview of who you are and what you do? Okay, well, you listed a few of those things. Um, but I think overall, I'm just like a hustler. Right. And so that kind of encompasses everything else about me. Um, I am a mother. I am a wife of 20 years. Um, oh my God, I'm I know. Isn't that crazy? I feel old saying that, but at least I look good. Um, so, yeah, I, I do a little bit of everything. Um, but my passion has always been writing since I was a really young girl. And I have turned that passion into um, books, then stage plays, and now movies. And so I'm just living my dream, basically, if I had to sum it all up. Yeah, I remember just when I was younger, I remember when you first, well, not when you first started making the books, obviously, you know, my childhood memory ain't all the way there, but I remember just like the process and stuff. I remember going to book signings with Ma and Ma going all out with her wardrobe and stuff yes. like that. <laughs> As a kid, I don't think I fully registered how big your books were mm-hmm. or how big you guys are doing, which is because obviously I'm seeing it, but like I'm not processing it. Right. And and so like I got older, especially because I wasn't allowed to read the books. I have never read books. I was never allowed to even the moment I went to even reach for Ma's books, smacks my hand. And she's like, uh-uh, you cannot read this. So I definitely now that I'm older and my mama can't tell me not to anymore. I really, really want to read them because just even seeing how the movies have progressed, it's I'm just excited to see because I'm a book nerd. You know, I've always yes. found books better than the movies mm-hmm. forever. And so I'm just excited to see how you were able to translate the book into the movie. Because sometimes people can't do that correctly. Like, there are so many right. books that I love that I don't like the movies of. And so like I'm very, very excited to see that. But so today, guys, we're going to be talking about Miyashi's films, Secret Society, Till Death. But before we get into the third movie, for those who have never heard of the movie or who are on what we're talking about, I want to give a bit of a brief overview as to what the first two movies were. And so Miyashi, if you want to tell us a bit about what Secret Society is about and kind of what led to the third one. For sure. So Secret Society, it was my first novel. So it's like always my baby of all of my my writings. Um, And it's about two flashy girls, beautiful girls who get money from guys. Right. But they have this jaw dropping secret that once revealed, all hell breaks loose. Um, It's a one of a kind, first of its kind type of film. Um, it talks about subject matters that tend to be taboo, especially in urban communities, especially in Black urban communities. Um, and it really just kind of pulls the wool from over people's eyes yeah. about this subject matter. And it it brings about awareness in a different way. And I feel like it actually 
produces a form of unity um, from one community to the next because for so long, for so many years, um, a lot of people in the Black urban community would never engage in conversation or watch any kind of movie or television about yeah. anybody in the community, in the trans community. It just was two different worlds that never really collided. And if it did collide, it was always a secret. It was yeah. never something that collided openly, right? And so with producing Secret Society, the movie, I feel like I gave an audience that would never normally watch something like that. Mm -hmm. I gave them a look into their world in a way that they could empathize and in a way that they could have compassion for the yeah. trans community. Yeah, that's something that I really just want to appreciate just as someone who is a part of the LGBTQ community. That is something and we're just like, you know, especially with my generation, we're all about making change and growth and stuff like that. And within the community, like a goal is to be able to make these, you know, taboo subjects more known and more normal and to be like people to be comfortable talking about. Like it's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not something that's wrong and stuff like that. But for years, it's always been something that's been joked about or shamed upon. And so that's one of the reasons like I really love the movie because it's not like it's like glorifying anything like you're seeing actual struggles that trans people deal with you, you know right. when it comes to being in romantic relationships where it's like one like you know i feel like some people tend to not think that trans people you know because they do change you know deal with different things within their identities think that they're not people too and kind of look down on them where you can literally see when it comes to celeste's character and Tina's character and stuff like that where it's like there are people too they have emotions they deal with being shamed upon they deal with heartbreak in the same way everyone else does and it was so cool just to kind of see it between everybody like I really really like that aspect and I was just always I felt like watching the first one especially I just kept hoping that they would get there like happily ever after yeah you, like, you would see them find someone that they like really liked and then you would see it just completely explode and it's like no like come on like I want them to get that yeah. it's like a really great story and i love that part now we talked a bit about the writing process what was it like you know one what made you want to turn it into a movie because some you know authors don't want to go that route they just want to stick with books what one made you want to turn secret society into not just one movie but a trilogy of movies and then what was it like you know taking it, taking it from book form to script form and then onto the screen yeah yeah um so i think i come into this the whole writing industry a little bit different than most authors because I've always wanted to be a filmmaker too. So when I was younger, I used to always say, I want to be an author and a filmmaker. Okay. I didn't know which one would come first. Um, I used to think that I would do films first and then I would write my autobiography and that would be how I become an author. Mm. Um, but then when I got the inspiration to write my first book and to be an author and that took off that was what you know was meant for me that was my path um but I still had that filmmaking itch you know mm -hmm. and so it just to me it felt the most um sensible way to become a filmmaker in my mind was to turn my books into movies mm -hmm. um and that was how I would accomplish being both an author and a filmmaker so I used to um you know, after the books were released and they did really well, I would um, send them to different people in the movie industry, hoping to get um, a deal of some sort. 
you know, someone to option my book and make it into a movie or someone to say, here, I will fund the movie. I was always looking for that type of collaboration. So what I realized when it comes to the optioning process is like they give you money to option your work. And that means they have the right to turn it into a movie in a certain amount of time. And whatever they decide to do, however they visualize it, that's going to be on them, right? So if they make a movie that sucks, it's still going to stay based on the novel by Miyasha. So yeah. to me, that's still trickle down to me making a, a movie that sucked. Yeah. So I'm actually glad that it didn't pan out that way. I'm glad that it took 15 years for, for me to get told no in different you know, arenas for me to decide to do it on my own because yeah. making the movie on my own, I got to put it out in the way that I felt from the vision that I had ever since I wrote the book, you know, yeah. in that way. That's why I think so many people can appreciate it. And it resonated with so many people because it came directly from the source, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I also think that it was really smart to kind of wait and for it to, I feel, you know, it was all in God's plan. I feel like it came out now at the right time because obviously, you know, like you said, your goal is to take this taboo subject and make it a normal thing and make everyone comfortable with it. At that time, growing, especially when I was growing up and, you know, people weren't comfortable with it. You know, it wasn't Not something that was talked about. At least now, you know, it would have been came out at the wrong time and I don't think it would have been taken well. I feel like now because it's a progressive society now, I mean, there's something wrong with our society, but, you know, we are still trying to grow it and normalize yeah. it. Now it's taken as like a, as a way to kind of boost trans people and just people a part of the community you know like, oh my God, I can like seeing someone like them on a screen. You know, right. I think that's something that's always good for everyone to be able to look on the screen and like see a part of you. And I feel like for people in the community, they don't see that not often enough. It may be one or two times within the last couple of years, but to really see uh, like not just uh, one character in a movie, but like an entire movie trilogy dedicated yeah. to people in the community. I feel like that's really got to help people who have one has been on this journey for a long time, but also just starting their journey or who's confused. You know, I feel like the movie maybe can answer some questions that maybe they're having and stuff like that, or even just start a conversation. Like this movie is literally a conversation starter. Like, oh, yeah. did you see Study. Oh, what's that? Well, then boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I get so many responses from people in the community who thank me for doing that. And they they really feel like this has put their story in the forefront in a way that they've never seen it before. And so that yeah. to me is gratifying in it in and of itself. And part of the reason why. I even wanted to make it into a movie because I have a ton of other books, but I felt like Secret Society needed to be in the light. It needed to be told on the screen just because I see what it did in book form. I see how it yeah. helped so many people in book form. So I can only imagine how it will help people that get to see it on a level of, of which they are seeing it by the millions, you know? Exactly. Now, one question I had, because this is such a, I don't, I, 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 even though it's not really that much of a taboo subject anymore, because it's becoming more known, it is still something that's, it's a bit more of a sensitive topic because people, yeah. a lot of people are always worried about saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things or misinterpreting something like that. That's such a really big thing where, you know, one little thing can really mess up a lot of things. How, what was like the challenges of just writing this book? Like what was the process that you had to even correctly implement the right things into the story to make sure you were giving an accurate portrayal of trans lives and not just something that 
you know, you just like, oh yeah, this is what I right. think is. Yeah. Um, as soon as I decided to tell this story, like once it popped in my head that these women would be trans women, I immediately sought out someone who is a trans woman who really lives the lifestyle of the girls that I was writing about. And I interviewed um, a girl named Kiva and she gave me all the tea. She gave me all the tea. <laughs> and um, I was like blown away by some of the things that she had to go through um, just to live a basic life. And it made me feel compassion for her and other people in the community. So I knew that it could do that for other people. Yeah. So when it came down to the movie, um, we're talking about, like I said, 15 years after the book had been released, I'm, I'm sitting in now writing the script for the movie and I had to update it. I had to modernize it to make it fit in today's world. But there were still things, like you said, that I was scared about. I wasn't sure if it would be, you know, cancelable. Like if people would like protest against it because of <laughs> that I was saying or certain terminology that I was using. So I reached out to um, Kam uh, Amaya Scott, who is very open um, trans woman, and she is a big voice in the community. Okay. So I asked if she could be a consultant on the project, read the script, let me know if there's anything that's wrong, that's offensive, yeah. or that's just inaccurate or not the correct way to you know portray trans women. And she did. She read the script. She gave me some really good notes, some really good pointers. Um, and there were things, there were instances that might have like she was, you know, taken aback by. But yeah. she had to realize and she had to just not even realize, but she had to um, understand that this this is a world that has so many layers. So, for instance. Yeah. Where. The, the word tranny might not be a good term to use for trans people. The guy uses it in the movie, but he's somebody who's not in the community, who's not educated about the community. So in his world, in his circle, that's how they would refer to trans trans women. And so she was like, you know, that's an accurate portrayal of what he may say or what he may think. So those instances, you know, we were able yeah. to in because it's like when you're making a slave movie, right? And mm -hmm. a white person says nigger and it's so, you know, it's, yeah. <clears throat> but that's what they would say, you know, mm -hmm. so that's kind of the way it was. So she gave me a lot of good pointers. And at the end of it, she said, you know, I can relate to this story and getting that yeah stamp of approval from her made all the difference because I'm like, okay, we can definitely take this mainstream. Yeah. And that's something that I really like about just not the, even the first film, but like all of the films is it's a very relatable film, even people, people not in the trans community, mm -hmm. because that's it. You know, that is the main point and that's who you're really trying to reach, you know, make them make sure that they feel related to, but I feel like just everybody can relate to the sense of, you know, for instance, Celeste's character, she deals with rejection and, and loneliness and unwantedness from people in her life, whether it's a, a romantic partner or her mom and stuff like that. You know, we've all felt rejection in our life. We've all, you know, she feels shame in certain instances. We've all felt that, you know, I love that you can still relate to the movie, even though it doesn't directly involve your 
have something that you ex- actually experience, you can still understand, you can relate and understand their characters where it allow you to just really immerse yourself even more into the film. And it's already so insane to just the film in general for anyone who has seen it. I mean, y'all seen the wardrobe, y'all seen the sex, which we're going to get to in a bit. <laughs> oh, Mr. I tell you, Mr. Film, the wardrobe had my mouth dropping. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Next thing I want to talk about so what was it like? Because obviously, you know, I worked on the first film. I worked on a bit of the second one, but I, I was, you know, away at the time. So I couldn't work on the third film. So like that was like, it was just super cool to me because obviously the first two, you know, I knew what was happening and I knew yeah. I, I knew nothing. So what right. was it like working on the first film compared to this last one? Because I know there was some, you know, challenges that you faced, obviously. But, you know, so like, give us a little bit about that. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm grateful that the third film wasn't first. Let me say that. <laughs> If we had the experience on set of the third film, if that was the way that the first film was ran, I probably would have been scared to death to make another movie, right? Yeah. Um, with part one, I didn't know what to expect because this was my first movie. So I was coming into it totally blind, but I did have some people who had traveled this road before me that I was able to call upon and say, hey, you know, I'm about to embark on this journey. Like, what can I expect? Give me some heads up. And a lot of it was like, girl, okay, it's going to be times where you're going to want to pull your hair out. It's going to be times where you're going to want to give up, but just keep going, come up with the solution, make it work, get through it. So I really was going into it like I'm going into battle. That's (laughs) my idea. I thought I was going into battle. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Boots laced up. Let's go. And I walked on that set and everybody was in position doing what they were supposed to be doing. Things were handled that I didn't even know was supposed to be handled. This <laughs> was being served. And it's like, oh my God, I had this incredible team. No yeah. egos. Everybody was doing other people's jobs if it needed to be done. Everybody got along, positive energy, good vibes. Everybody was just ready to get the work done and do the best job they could do for the project. And I was, I fell in love with the filmmaking process on Secret Society One. I fell in love with my team, my cast, my crew. I knew without a doubt when we do this again, I'm bringing all y'all back. (laughs) For real, it was like that. And so then we progressed you know, to two, of course, we wanted to make two bigger and better. So we had more challenges. But again, our crew was like, so on point, our cast was so on point. It was that same camaraderie, even though we had to um, change out a few different people, we still set the tone for that positive energy, positive vibes. And so we I feel like we got through that just as great as we got through part one. Then part three came around. I was (laughs) But there's the charm. I try to just say that to like mellow it out. But yeah. part three, it kicked me in my ass. I don't know if I can curse on here, but you're all good. Yeah, I do. It it really did. Um, and not just me, but my business partner, your brother, my husband. <laughs> he usually can like play the background a lot and just be mm-hmm. like my support when I need it. But on part three, he had to step and fill some shoes. We both did that we didn't expect. We didn't anticipate. So it was like very overwhelming, but it made us both look to each other. And we knew that as long as he was there and I was here, we would be good. Like as long as we had each other, we was going to get through this. We was 
make it work, it was going to come out to be what we wanted it to be. And yeah. it did, thankfully, and I'm not like throwing nobody under the bus, but there mm-hmm. were some people that kind of stepped into positions and I felt like they bit off more than they could chew. And yeah. we didn't learn this until very last minute. So it was like, we Too had it. to still use them, but we yeah. had to really do their job on top of it. So it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot, but we made it. We made it to the finish line um, and we just yeah. kept the solutions. It was all about being solution driven. It's all about keeping your eye on the prize, you know, not dwelling yeah. on the problems, but just trying to figure out how to get over them and, and move on, move forward. No, I really like that because I remember working, you know, I, I started, you know, getting into film when I was 15. I was more into the writing than I was actually filmmaking because to be honest, I, I don't know why, but I was always terrified of actually making anything because I was always, I was bad, this, this and that. And this is actually because you were one of my recommendations letter for university, which thank you, by the way, I, you know, I did get in. Um, but <laughs> I you earned it. You earned it. <laughs> Thank you. But I have um, my for my college essay. I had written about my time on the Secret Society set because that was the first ever like film set I had ever been in. Like you know, I've worked on you know uh, different music video sets and and I worked at my church and stuff like that. So like I knew film enough to a point, but I still did writing because I was so terrified of you know just making anything. And so you know, I have I'm someone who deals with very bad anxiety. Hell, before we hopped on, I was like, this is the mirror. Like, I got this, I got this, I got this. You know, I talk to you all the time. I don't know why. So but um, I remember because Shola had worked on the first set with us. And on the way there, like, I was freaking out. I, I was like, I was having to spend the night watching videos on like, set etiquette, walkie-talkie terms, everything. And I was so terrified on coming onto the set. And I remember the, when I came on, we were shooting um, the scene where Celeste had her purple car. I think it was the purple Rolls Royce at the airport. And that we were shooting there. And I remember like Anthony and them, they were like working on the stuff with the cameras. You were over there in Video Village. And then I just walked on. It was like, everyone, like you said, everyone was just, everyone, no one was just standing there. Everybody was doing something. And I was just so surprised by how nice everyone was. Like the crew was absolutely amazing. I, I, I love them to this day. And I would be running into them on different film jobs, like especially Julio. I'm always seeing him on some job that I'm working because he's always my sound guy. I'm like, hello, dude. Right. But it's such a great learning experience because everyone, you know, one, everyone knew I was the new girl. I mean, you could tell, obviously. Um, and even though some people knew I was Rick's little sister, a lot of people did it until like the end when they would figure it out because I call Rick Ricky, but obviously we had a Ricky on set. So I would right. always ask like, where's Ricky? And they would put me to the one person. I'm like, no, my brother. Yeah. But everyone took the time to teach me what I needed to know. You know, it was such a great learning experience. Rick loved to mess, like, make me mess around all the time. He's made me spend 30 minutes looking for a bottle of sriracha sauce that he had. And I didn't know until I checked <laughs> Instagram story because he tagged me and in the middle he's like I, he's oh like, like I got my little sister looking for Sriracha sauce but I got I wanted to kill him I wanted to kill him but that literally changed the entire way that I looked at film because obviously I'm still terrified of making films but I do it anyway now because I had that experience where I tried so many different things it looks so good on my resume I learned help I learned how to build a stripper pole never thought I'd do that <laughs> I Built right. sets. I did set design. I worked with the art department. I worked with wardrobe. I worked with camera. I got to do so many yes. different things. And just watching how that was from that first film to this last one was absolutely mind blowing. And I'm just so proud of you guys for it because it just 
Um, Especially because at the time when we were shooting the first one, it was like, you know, it was during COVID. You know, we all had our masks on. We were all trying our best to follow regulations and still trying to get stuff done. We had early mornings, we had late nights, but you guys still found ways to make it fun, even on days when shooting was particularly tougher because we were shooting some heavier scenes, like, you know, when um, Celeste was telling Michael the truth. That was a really hard day. And especially for her because it was just so emotionally tasking which i was bawling my eyes out the entire time the entire time we're watching the scene i'm like <laughs> i know to this day that's the scene <laughs> this, that gets to, me ah to this day that scene gets me so much but it was such a good just a great environment and so like i really wish i could have worked on the last one but you know other things was one who's doing which also another thing i love i just feel like this your films helped so many people get on to bigger things you yeah. know your actors are getting bigger roles your crew is getting bigger jobs because everyone has this like as this is like our foundation i feel like that's what will always kind of keep us all linked and yeah. connected because we all started here and now we're like we can just watch each other constantly grow right. and i think that itself is like kind of a bittersweet type thing you know yeah, oh, yeah. I, love I love it amazing so, yeah so one thing i wanted to two things that i wanted to talk about one the casting process because mm-hmm. you have some big names especially like as the films get like bigger the cast gets bigger like first yeah. i remember when y'all first told me that y'all was having to the fox in this and i was like <gasps> i grew up that was mom as a child that was mom i grew up right. so being yeah. able to see her in person and to work with her and then uh i when i was at the premiere because obviously when I first saw the, the film the first time was when you guys had the first our little premiere before you actually had the big one where you were like showing us like that first cut letting us all like know what we think um yeah. and I saw Romeo Miller and I remember gasping so loud because obviously he you know he's so big in the black community we've all yeah. grown up watching him right. and being first like, he did yeah. rent was due yeah. and had to pay it and he did yes yeah. passing how do y'all how do y'all get these names so I'll start with Vivica because that's a full circle moment. Um, in 2009, we did the stage play version of Secret Society and we did it in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we hired Vivica A. Fox to host the red carpet and to host the whole night. And okay. I was on the stage. Yes, on the stage at the end when everybody gave their um, standing ovation. She got up there after the cast took their bow and Rich and I came out and we took our bow. And she said, this is not going to be the le- um, the last y'all hear of Miasha and Rich Coleman. And mm-hmm. that with me. So when we decided to do the movie and we needed a mom, Vivica's name came up first. And it made me think, why not? Because she literally hosted the stage play years ago and she believed in it then because she said, this is not the last y'all going to hear from them. So it made mm-hmm. sense to have her be a part of the movie version. And she still had the same number from all those years. So when we reached out, it was all love. And she was like, of course, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get the business going. And she was like, so, um, and I always say this, it was such um, a joy to be able to work with her again on this type of level for her to lend her credit yeah. because we all know how legendary and iconic Vivica A. Fox mm-hmm. is and how tremendous of an actress that she is. 
I mean, when she shows up on set, you know, like she gets it done and like mm-hmm. effortlessly. Yes. Effortlessly. And then you say, okay, the director, says, okay, give us another version. And she just goes in and gives another version with mm-hmm. powerful, powerful yeah. stuff. But she does all of that and still laughs and jokes with the crew and takes pictures yes. and is really gracious and, you know, a team player and just like so down to earth. So it's just always a joy to work with Vivica. Um, and I'm just grateful that she like came on board a project like this um, because we're independent filmmakers because we yeah. were doing it during COVID. Like she could have said no on so many levels and she didn't. So thank you, Vivica. Always grateful to her. Um, and then some of the other names. So I feel like after one came out and it did so well and it got so much great response, we started mm-hmm. getting people reaching out to us. Like, oh, really? a client wants to be in your movie if you're doing something. Next. Yes. Like, that's how we got Black China in part two, because her agent reached out and was like, if you have a role for Black China in, in your um, next movie, she would love to audition. Um same thing with like Jeremy Meeks. So with Jeremy Meeks, it's funny because I feel like I manifested him. Mm-hmm. I had him on my when I was thinking of different cast members yeah. for the movie. I had him as one. He wasn't particularly for Khalil, but yeah. I just had his name, right? And then um we had already casted James, who's Khalil's brother in the movie. We had already casted him. Light skin, green eye guy, right? Um, and technically, Khalil was supposed to be just his friend in the movie. Okay. We're looking for a friend. And it was so hard to find a friend. And Jamal Hill, who's the director, he had just worked with Jeremy in a previous movie. And he oh. like, Jeremy could be good to be the friend. And I said, but they look so similar. That would be weird. Like, then I said, well, I can just change it. They don't have to be friends. They could be brothers. <laughs> And then we said, perfect, they're brothers. And Jeremy, we literally called him up. I feel like it was maybe a week before we started his scenes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, I'm with it, I'm down. He got the script, he was reading the script on a plane to Miami, yeah. like shot him in like a day or two. And that's how we ended up with Jeremy Meeks. And he was, again, a, just a godsend. He did, he played his he part. And I think it was really cool being able to work with him on the first set because, well, one, <laughs> it was really funny because besides the fact that I feel like, you know, because of like, his, especially his like background and stuff like that, everyone, you think of him, especially in you see him, you see tattoos and stuff like that, like you think he's a mean, scary guy. He's literally the sweetest person I've ever met. Dude, they put these like little um, you know, the under the eye strips. Yeah. They were green. And we were all in there as he was like getting his makeup and stuff done. And he just stopped. He jumps up. He's like, guys, I'm a superhero. And he goes like pew, pew, pew. It was like the out of nowhere. Like, he's such, <laughs> he's such a goofball and he's so right. funny. And he was just like really nice interact. That's one thing I really loved about the cast is that they didn't mind interacting with the crew. It wasn't just like, right. oh, I'm the cast, I'm the star, like, I don't need to talk to you guys. Yeah. Like everyone was so nice and just interacting. We had fun. There were times when we were just like making smoothies from like random fruit baskets that were sent to right. everybody. <laughs> working with them. It was so much fun. 
Yeah, and then he had a lot of the guys on the set jealous because obviously there were scenes where he was either shirtless or all the time. He was like, he was shirtless all the time. Even when he didn't need to be shirtless, he was shirtless. Yes, he was doing push ups. (laughs) Push ups and watch. It was like a scene out of a movie this one time when we were all um, in one of the rooms. We were like getting stuff set up, and he was outside, like on the front porch, and you could see through the window. And he was sure that he was doing push ups, he's like studying his lines. And then all the girls were just out there watching, and then all the guys were just mad. And they were like, Why does he put on my damn shirt? You know, there was one, he had like a little beer belly, he's like drinking a soda, he's like ah, ridiculous, and I'm, like, hilarious. But yeah, no, yeah. he's a really cool guy. Yeah, it was definitely a, a family on set. It was really genuine. Everybody was just so supportive of the next person. And even with that, like even with Jeremy flexing, <laughs> even the jealousy was just joking. Like it was joking. joking. Was anything bad? It was just like, let Jeremy have his moments. And that was it. But yeah, it was it was the best. Yeah. And then so the big boy, the wonderful one, Romeo Miller. Well, how did y'all manage that? Okay, so now again, like I said, we then proved ourselves with part one, and then we came back and proved ourselves again with part two. So the buzz is out about Secret Society, and yeah. pretty much the whole industry is kind of like knowing about it. They are respecting the work, they love the quality, um, they love the effort and attention that was put into it. So when it came down to casting for Ryan's character, mm-hmm. um, Romeo was one of the names that we threw up there. And then our producer, Marco, he's very close to Romeo. He has worked with Romeo over the years with his nonprofit where Romeo will come and speak to the kids. And so they already had a really tight relationship. So when Romeo's name came up, we're like, Marco, can you like get Romeo on the line? Like, what's the tea? Like... So, and he did, he was like, okay, Romeo, he's, he's open to talking about it, you know? And so we had conversations with Romeo. He read the script. He really liked the script. He had some um, things about the character that he wanted to like, you know, change around a little bit because his thing was, he's an advocate for people who end up in a sex trade, right? So he didn't want to be the bad guy totally. He wanted yeah. to have that, which most humans are, they're, com- they're complex beings where we have a lot of good in us, but maybe where our circumstances made it where we had to do some bad things, right? Yeah. Make decisions. So he wanted to make sure that his character had that good in him. Yeah. And when he, when he offered those suggestions, it didn't come across as being like, oh, I'm this star, like you were saying, and yeah. I'm not going this way. It came off as what's going to be great for the project. And yes. whenever somebody comes to me with that type of energy, I love it. I embrace it because yeah. I see that you're thinking not about yourself. You're thinking about the project as a whole and what the audience is going to get from it. And yeah. so I was like, Romeo, let me see. Show me what you want to say. Show me what really? you want to change this. And I'm like, 
I can rock with this. It's working. Let's do it. Yeah. And so we was, it was very collaborative. He was a sweetheart on set, just like all the rest of the big names were. Um, he worked with the other actors and actresses and they fed off each other. And he was very generous with giving out, you know, some tips because he's a he's a veteran. He's been doing this since he was a kid, you know, and some of the a lot of the cast members were newcomers, you know, this were their first yeah. or their second, third film, but only on this franchise. So he was gracious in that way. We're giving, you know, different actors the tips and like letting them feed off of his energy. And it was, again, just another positive addition to the family. And like you said, he did the thing because he played Ryan. He gave us all the bills. And it was it was amazing. Yeah, I really, I definitely just, I loved one. I was always, I've always been a big fan of his. Especially right. growing up, you know, that's who you saw in a lot of our films. And right. he's all and just in the film he really did a good job and i love you know the changes that were made because you know you felt remorse for his character you felt you know yeah. you felt for him you understood where he was coming from you understood yeah. things, which i think was also just really important to show you know like you said everyone we're a complex people people aren't easy people make mistakes people do bad things and stuff like that and i thought it was really really cool just to be able to show that and then the chemistry between you know, Ryan and Cece like was wonderful. First of all, when I was watching it and I was, I was confused with Celeste too when she was like, oh, she thought that Ryan was her boyfriend and dude was like, that's your brother. She's like, wait, yeah. wait what? I remember I was in my head, I was singing Sweet Home Alabama. Like it was hilarious. It was fun. I love the comedian really. That's something I love about the movie because such heavy things, but such heavy things and heavy topics happen in the movie where you're like, you're disgusted and you're just like, how could someone allow this type of thing to happen or be into this type of thing and stuff like that and then you have some of those small comedic reliefs where it's like you can kind of take a deep breath like it's not yeah. just constant heavy stuff like it, and it's a good flow of it and all the you know the cast works so well together where like that chemistry is there you know whether they, they known each other one day before they shot this you would it feels like you've known them a long time right it really came across screen. That's something that I really love. And it was cool because he's, he's actually a really nice guy. When we were at the premiere, um, I was carrying a pretzel and Rick was like directing because he wanted to take a picture and do something, I don't know. And then Richard obviously gets distracted by everybody because everyone was, I, I, I felt so bad for the poor guy. Everyone kept coming, like, Rick, come take a photo. This, this, let's talk about this. I know. And <laughs> One second. And so like I turned and then Romeo's just standing there because I think he's doing something. I was like, oh, hey, dude. And I just had a whole conversation with him. Like, I knew the guy. And oh, wow. That's how we were like, introduced so I was like, oh, I'm T. I'm Rick's sister. He's like, oh, my God. Hi. I'm like, what's up, bro? But he was such a nice guy. Just yeah. really easy to talk to. So, like, that was one thing that I love. It wasn't just like they can play the character. Because, you know, those there's those celebrities where they'll play a character on screen. They're like a douchebag behind the scene. Like, yeah. no, everyone is genuine. Like, you did a good job with that. Like, making sure that everyone was a genuine person, which is something yeah. that. Yeah. And I, honestly, that just comes from like who you are as a person. Yeah. Um, and I always try to instill this into the boys, my kids. It's like, just be a good person, mean well, yeah. have good intentions, want the best for everybody, not just yourself, but want the best for everybody. Yeah. And when you're that type of person and you're sincere and you're genuine, you attract those same people. So yeah. Um, knock on wood, but that's been my <laughs> experience. And yeah. I, I really owe it to just us coming in with that same attitude. Yeah. So, like I mentioned before, mm -hmm. my favorite thing about these films 
was the wardrobe and these locations. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> when I saw that money dress, when I saw the and when I saw them, the balloons had me dead. I didn't know what to say. I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. And then the, the location where you shot was go- the moment my, my taste saw it, she freaked. She's like, oh my God, T, because Chase always wanted yes. to go to the sky of mm-hmm. always wanted to go. And so when she saw it, she was flipping out. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Clearly yeah. this fire. Yes. Um, I'll start with the balloons because that's a story in itself. Um, well, first of all, let me just say, the fashion has been important to me because in the book, all those years ago, I described the girls' outfits to a T. Every time they went somewhere, I was in the book, it would say, Celeste wearing this shirt, this pants, this pocketbook, this lip color. Like I was really giving the visual all the way up. And I think it was just because you know, coming from West Philly, I feel like West Philly was like a fashion show. Like, as soon as you walked out, yeah. you had to have something on. You had to be good. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I wanted to, like, give that type of culture, like, where I come from. I wanted to display that in the story. And so with doing the movie, I felt like I know that the fashion was just as much of a character in the book as the girls were. So I wanted to make sure that came across on screen as well. And part one, when we first did, you know, the whole little, you know, the the thing, the thing, the thing with the girls, mm-hmm. that became something like wardrobe became a talking, yeah. it became a subject in the movie. So then I had to keep that going. And by yeah. the time we get to part three, it's like, okay, you done did all of these things. You done had a money clip dress. You done had a cat with shoulders. Oh. Like it was so much, so it's like, okay, girl, you gotta top, you gotta top what you mm-hmm. top, right? So I was scouring Instagram looking for like the most unique or bizarre or over the top fashion that was couture that was still like cute, you know. And when I came across the balloon fashion, I was like, oh my god, this has to be in a movie. And matter of fact, it has to be in a fashion show scene because I felt yeah. like doing the runway scene. In Paris Fashion Week, like I could have all I could have chosen couture. I could have chosen like really high-end streetwear, but I felt like that's what you see on every runway. Yeah. And I was like in Secret Society, they they have to see something they've never seen on a runway before. They did balloons were the thing, right? So mm-hmm. I reached out to the designer on Instagram, I DM them, I'm like hey, I'm shooting my movie. I would love to feature your pieces in one of the scenes. Do you ship to the United States? So he responded and was like, these are real balloons, ma'am. They cannot ship nowhere. They will pop. Yeah, I have to be present there to make the balloons and transport them to your set. So now I'm like, what, do you want to be in a movie? <laughs> I'm like, because we put it, we, we need the designer to run down this the runway anyway to do yeah. the wave or bow or whatever, the claps, whatever the designer wants to do. So I might as well let you be that designer, play yourself, yeah. and then you're here and you can create these balloon fashions. And he was so with it because for one, he loved the movie. He loved yeah. part one, he loved part two. So he was like. Oh, I'm down. Like this is this will be great. And then on top of that, he's a new emerging designer. So this was 
great exposure for him, you know, yeah. to not only showcase his stuff in a movie, but to have it at the Vizcaya, like you said, that's such a big I, monumental um, landmark in Miami. So even his behind the scenes content that he could create was like, a, that was another bonus. So he was like with it. We flew him out from London. He was in a hotel for like two days, making all the pieces um, leading up to the day of the shoot. We had to transport him with all the balloons in a big cargo van to set. And he had to just be very, very gentle with each piece. And they didn't put it on until it was right before it was action time because God Mm -hmm. knows if it's on, step the wrong way and poof. So it was like, that was like the ultimate um, when it came to the wardrobe. And then I feel like with the money dress, that was at the top of my wish list when I was putting together the lookbook for Secret Society 3. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't think about doing anything money until in, um, after part two got released, it was this review, um, like a YouTube group. And it was like maybe six different women. And they were all talking about the movie and they were talking about the fashion. And one of the women was like, um, yeah, we should have known they were going to give us money in part two because in part one, she had the money peplum suit. Mm-hmm. And then in part two, they came with the money clip dress and she sat down and it covered mm-hmm. going in and in. And I was loving it. I was like soaking it all up. But then when I heard her say, we should have known it was going to be something money. I was like, okay, they're going to expect something money in part three. But I'm like, what could possibly top the money clip dress? Like, I don't even know how I can come harder than that. So again, I'm scouring the internet. I'm looking for money-related fashion. And I came across this most beautiful dress, this gown. And it was made out of all money. And it didn't look cheesy or it didn't look ratchet. It looked really couture, right? So I was like, oh my God, I got to have this dress. This is the dress. And I reached out to the designer. I reached out to the archivist. I reached out to like everybody that had anything to do with that dress. And they were like, we cannot sell it. We cannot rent it. We cannot duplicate it. It was no, no, no across the board. Yeah. So I'm not devastated, but I'm like, um, but I'm still not giving up on that, yeah. on that situation. So we had our first wardrobe meeting and I hired Shaq Palmer, who's a stylist based here in Miami, but he's from Philly too, Philly in the house. So he, um, I had hired him for part two. So again, of course, I brought him back for part three. And when we had our first meeting and I was showing him all the looks that I was like, that were on my wish list, I showed him that dress first. And I said, I've, I've been trying to get this dress and they're telling me, no, 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 no. But I really, we need this dress, Shaq. And Shaq was like, oh, we can get that done. I know somebody that can make something like this. And I'm like, are you for real, Shaq? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And he <laughs> off and I'm like, oh my God. Like that was everything for me. Everything. Uh, I, I know the moment I saw it, like that whole thing just had me. I didn't, that was has to be one of my, probably my favorite piece just from all of the movies and there were a lot of pieces but I just I think also just because I wasn't expecting it you know yeah. because you know in the other films we see them like the different money we see the money clip we see the money suit and stuff like that but this one was you know we had a we had a way up we had a build up right. to it. exactly so 
subconsciously, I'm like, oh, just thinking, okay, this probably not gonna be anything, and then right. boom. And then here you go. <laughs> yes. And I, oh, I loved it. I loved oh, it. I, loved it. I don't wear dresses, but it made me want to wear it. Yes. Which, you know what? Accomplished. We love it. We love it. So one of my last questions is now the trilogy has come to an end. Secret Society has seen its days. She has lived her life. What, when you look back, what is something, because it's, it's a bittersweet thing. It's been not even just a couple years in the making. It's been over 15 years. So right. when you look back, like, what is something that you're going to miss about just anything with having to do with Secret Society? Um, I'm definitely going to miss the whole cast and crew because, like I said, the bond that we all formed yeah. was just so, so unique. Like, I don't, I've never experienced an instant connection with so many people in one setting in my life. So that is one of the things I'm going to miss the most. Um, but the good thing is we are still so very close that I feel like we'll still be in each other's lives long after secret society yeah um, so that's the part that that i feel good about um i'm also going to miss just the story itself the journey of the main characters especially celeste because she is our core she is the rock yeah. the person that brings us all the way through each of these movies and for her not just her character, but her as a person, Raina Love. Yeah. Even from the casting process with her, like she's she's always going to have a special place in my heart <laughs> because Raina, I found her on Instagram. Um, she had never done a movie before, but she had did some YouTube skits. And yeah. when I saw the YouTube skit and then I went to her Instagram page and I saw that she does like modeling, that was her main thing was modeling. And I knew she had the look. She had the look for Celeste based on the vision that I had in my head since I wrote the book all those years ago. Um, but and, and I knew that she did the skits, but I wasn't sure if she could carry a whole movie. Yeah. So it was just a wish. I'm like, she got the look and she does a little bit of acting. So hopefully yeah. she can do this. So I sent her the um, DMs are like, would you be interested in auditioning for this movie? It's the lead role and blah, 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 blah. So she said, oh, of course, sure. And she got me her audition tape. But because this was her first movie and her first experience with auditioning, it wasn't like professional. Mm -hmm. And I remember she did it like in her garage. It was like a five category five hurricane going on in the background. Like all you hear is all this thunder and rain. And she's delivering the lines without anybody reading with her. It's just her. And she's doing it and it's so much distraction. But when I got it back, I was like, oh my God, she's perfect. It felt yeah. so natural. It didn't feel like she was reading. It didn't feel like she was memorizing. It just felt like this was her life. This was her scenario in life. And she was she was just going through those motions. So I was so excited when I sent it to the director. I'm like, we found our Celeste. And he was like, <laughs> First of all, where's the green screen? Where's the backdrop? Why is it yeah. in the garage? What is this sound in the background? I can hardly hear her. Do you really think she can do this? Like, this is our lead role. She has to be somebody professional that's, that knows how to show up, that's going to be reliable. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? So I was like, oh, shit. Okay. I was like, Raina, can you do another audition without any noise in the background? Yeah. I'm really trying to sell you to a director. 
She did a second one and it was better, but he still wasn't a hundred percent sold because he's used to dealing with professional actors and actresses who have yeah. done this over and over and they kind of know the, the the whole game. And this is our lead. It's not like it's somebody that's just gonna come in and come yeah. out. He was very, very, very skeptical. And he said, take her out to eat and just get her vibes, feel her vibes, see if she can really do this and be dependable every single day throughout this shoot. Yeah. And we did that. And she said she really wanted this. This is something she prayed for. And when she said that, it stuck with me because I'm a God loving woman. Yeah. I pray a lot. I'm very spiritual. And anybody else who has that same type of connection with God, to me, we're gonna we're gonna do just yeah. fine. And so I trusted my gut. Jamal gave in. He said, you know what? I trust you. If you say this is our Celeste, this is our Celeste. And when I yeah. tell you, when we shot her scenes, those scenes, that scene you talked about with Michael, where she gave her, poured her heart out and cried like that. And I remember Jamal saying, wow. Yeah. Wow. He's like, I'm glad you fought for her because mm-hmm. she is undeniable undeniable so i'm gonna miss those moments i'm gonna miss those moments but i'm looking forward to see like what she does next because she is such yeah. a natural and she has such extreme talent i cannot wait to see how her journey unfolds yeah it's just even talking with her she's just such a she's one she's such a humble person because you know especially because you know some people in this industry when they get the that big shot, they get that big head with, you know. She remembers Warren where she comes from. She remembers who got her where she is now. And she's still just grateful for everyone. And I love talking with her. She's like the absolute sweetest. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like, you know, you can you can feel it when someone has good in- in- intentions and, and stuff like that. Like you trusted your gut and it really yeah. worked out with everybody you cast it. And I think that within itself, give yeah. it around for because great casting was like I, I love oh, like thank you. obviously you know something that's always act especially at the end of a, a trilogy is like okay so which one was your favorite like that's like the main thing you always ask which is your favorite for me the third was my favorite because I felt like you could literally see all of the growth and everything in that one in that last film you can see like this is what we literally have been working so hard for this is what the hours are put in you know everyone's acting even for those who were non-actors when they first started with Secret Society 1 to this one you can tell like they they got some some weight under their belt you know yeah. and it felt so natural every all the chemistry just with you know people like you know working with Bobby and Celeste and everybody stuff like that it was just there and it felt so it felt really refreshing yeah. you know I just I personally that was my favorite I feel like it was like a full story stuff you know with my girl Tina you know so I was like I know it was a full yeah. circle it just made everything like not every, nothing was left on the table you yeah know, you something that you wrapped it up perfectly in a way that i'm not thinking like damn i wish this would have happened this way I right. this could have happened like i'm like i love there's nothing i would change and i remember when rick had had first um after we had watched it he had texted me that night he's like so what did you think and i'm like bro i, I freaking loved it like the whole fucking thing was amazing like i have i don't find no notes i loved it wow that's amazing because i mean it's already tricky to do yeah a part two and a part three to anything yeah and with this i feel like this story was even trickier because 
when I wrote the books, I'm, you're able to write without limits. And yeah. I wrote um, Cece's story in her own book, Sister Facel. And then by the time Till Death came out, which was the trilogy to Secret Society, I had incorporated Cece in a way that the readers would be like, oh, shit, all this time. This is Sienna from Sister yeah. Facel. And it made it a really a, a good experience for my readers who were with us from the beginning, right? But then when it came to putting that in a movie, it's like, okay, now I'm trying to combine two books into one script. And yeah. how do I do that? How do I show Cece's story, but still make Celeste so relevant? Because this started out as Celeste's story. So we still need her to be the star, so to speak. So that balance of trying to get people to understand Cece's world and and have it gel with Celeste's world, yeah. it was like so hard and so scary. So to hear the feedback that this was the perfect way to end yeah. this trilogy and to wrap everybody's lives up and give everybody the closure that they 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 deserve. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like <laughs> the weight is lifted off because you just never yeah. know how people are going to receive your creative work. Yeah. And well, grade A to freaking you. So one of the last things I wanted to ask you, especially just as, some, as a creator myself, um, we all struggle with just, you know, we, we, we have these big hopes and dreams, but we just struggle with the thought that we might even get there. You know, what is something that you would like to tell other creators, whether not even just creators, just like hustlers, like you like to put it, because one, you're a mom, you say your mom, you're a wife, you are a business owner, you're an executive producer, you're your own production company, you're a filmmaker, you know, you do so many things. One, how do you balance all that? And what is your like advice to just people who want to reach those goals as well? I think the first thing to um the first thing you have to do is really like believe in yourself. And I know this might sound cliche. <laughs> not even to me, it's not even like a verb. It's not even an action. It was almost something that just was there for me from very young. I always knew that I wanted more out of life than what I was living and what I had seen in like my parents. I always knew that I wanted to escape that and yeah. have this big audacious life and I believed it somehow I believed that that was going to be what happened like I just knew I didn't know exactly how it was going to happen I didn't exactly know when or under what circumstances but I just knew that that was the life I was going to have and I feel like that it needs to be in you as a person when you're attempting something major you have to believe so, so hard that that is going to happen. Like, yeah. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know whatever, but it's going to happen. You have to like believe that wholeheartedly. And then once that belief is set in, I feel like the opportunities will present themselves and you have to be willing to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Don't be scared. A lot of the things that we don't do is out of fear. It's just yeah. the fear of it not going right. It's not going the way you plan. It not turning out the way you want it to. People not liking it the way you want them to. It's always fear. And if we can recognize that and know and say, okay, when we get those doubts, when we get that little, 
voice saying, no, don't do it. Don't put it out yet. It's not yeah. ready. When you get that, you have to recognize that's fear. And we don't yeah. succumb to fear. We, we are faith people. We believe. So we know that when it's, if it's put on us, if God gives us a gift, a talent, he didn't give it to us for us to waste it, for us to sit it yeah. on the shelf. He gave it to us for a reason, for us to share it with the world. It's our duty. It's our obligation. So do that. And then he will bless you and make sure the things that need to be done, get done. I wanted to make this movie 15 years ago and it didn't happen, but that didn't mean that God didn't want it to happen. God had a better plan for how it was to happen. And now I see that plan playing out. But if I would have just gave up on myself and said, well, it must not be meant for me to do a movie because it didn't happen yet, then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So believe first and take advantage of the opportunity second. Don't succumb to the fear third and make make that shit happen. Don't sit yeah. back and expect people to hand you shit. Make that shit happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. There's actually one more I want to add. And it's something that you had said during uh when you do I did a panel for the women in film the women in film festival. Yeah. Um, about like maybe two years ago and you had said and this has what stuck with me and when I tell you it's one of the things that has because I like I said I'm someone I get overwhelmed I get anxiety and then I overthink and I had that's why I didn't do I like I chose to do screenwriting over film because with me with the writing it was a lot easier because I could just sit in my room I don't gotta talk to nobody and I just write my stories send it out with yeah. film a lot different you know one you gotta interact with people especially me as like y'all saw how I was I was shocked constantly yeah. have book and something that you had said, it was my first year of university, and you said, closed mouths don't get fed. Mm-hmm. And that's it's such a small phrase, it's such a simple thing, but it's literally what, like, it, like your voice will pop into my head whenever I am doubting myself or I'm like, oh, I don't want to go through this. Or it's like, literally, when I was, I don't know why I get so nervous, especially when I when I had first asked you if we could do the podcast. Literally, mm-hmm. I had to, like, build up the courage to ask, even though I knew you wanted to already. It's insane. <laughs> All I, I was literally like, you know what? No, I'm gonna just text her later about it. And all I heard was your your tiny voice in the back of my head, like, "Cause I was talking, but I was like, I did it." And right. I text you, and it was simple. It was easy. It wasn't a, that big of a deal. But like to me, it's someone who gets who overthinks so insane to the point where I literally will shut myself down. That right there, that little thing is what literally keeps me going in some really tough times. So like, thank you for that. Of course, but and yeah. that's funny because that came out of necessity for me. It wasn't. Something that was just like, okay, it was it wasn't like a phrase that that was there for me to just be motivated by. It was growing up and, you know, I come from very, very humble beginnings and like going through different uh, challenges with having parents addicted to drugs and having moments in your life where things are scarce, you know, and I learned from watching my dad and you know scrap and scrape you know and I realized then closed mouths don't get fed so it was really out of necessity to ask for things that you want ask for things that you need ask for help when you need it that came out of necessity but I've I'm really grateful that I had to experience those things and had that mindset because that's what propelled me to this day. If I yeah. had never reached out to that author who spoke at my college graduation, who knows where I would be? I, w- I would have probably never wrote the book Secret Society. Yeah. 
I would have gotten a job, a career in my field. I would have been working a nine to five and I would have just been living that life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that wasn't my true dream. That wasn't my passion. So I would have you I would have bypassed the passion if I never would have reached out to that woman and told her that she inspired me and I needed some help to get to that level that I was trying to get to and then that just keeps it's, it that does never stops it's a lot of what if I never said something to this person what if I never asked this person what if I never reached out to that person that's the whole thing is that's part of community right it's not saying you're begging it's not saying that you're you know you don't have what you need or you it's not saying you're needy or none of that it's yeah. all about community. God puts pe- people in your life for reasons. Use mm-hmm. your resources. They're not there just because. It's like God is talking to you almost. Like, bitch, yeah. right here, bitch. So <laughs> you better. You better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, me, for coming on and talking. This is a lot, lot of freaking fun. Everyone who doesn't know where they can find in Watch Secret Society, can you let them know where they could watch? Absolutely. Secret Society 3 is on Amazon Prime for the U.S. and the U.K. and MiashaProductions.com for anybody around the world. And part one and two, if you haven't seen them yet, catch up with them first. They're both free on Tubi or if you don't have Tubi, they're both on Amazon as well. Yay. Thank you again so much for coming on. I guys, I obviously y'all know I don't remember any of my social medias. So I will pin my social medias and the social medias in my description below. Make sure you guys like and comment and just keep, you know, catch up on my old episodes because they're alive. I love y'all. Thank you, Miyasha, so much for coming oh, on. And it's been fun. I will talk to you guys in Bye. January when I'm come back from my little break. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year's. Bye. Bye-bye.